This should be coming to you on April 18th, the anniversary of Paul Revere's famous ride in the year 1775. So do your math calculations and figure out how long ago that was. Well, it was around 250 years ago. So this is the ride that um, prepared America. Their neighbors, their countrymen, to get ready to go to war, to fight in it for an idea that had not yet been grasped. The idea of man being responsible for themselves and the choices they make, and only them that are responsible for those choices. For the right of man to fail if they want or to succeed if they want. And the right of man to not be told how to live his life, but to live his life by the powers endowed upon him by his creator. So this is Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's poem about the ride. Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere on the 18th of April in 75. Hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year. He said to his friend, if the British march by land or sea from the town tonight, hang a lantern aloft in the belfry arch of the north church tower as a signal light. One if by land and two if by sea, and I on the opposite shore will be ready to ride and spread the alarm through every Middlesex village and farm, for the country folk to up and to arm. Then he said good night, and with muffled oars silently rowed to the Charleston shore, just as the moon rose up over the bay, where swinging wide to her moorings lay, the Somerset British man-of-war, a phantom ship, with each mast and spar. Across the moon like a prison bar and a huge black hulk that was magnified by its own reflection in the tide. Meanwhile, his friend through alley and street wander and watches with eager ears till the silence around him he hears the muster of men at the barrack door. The sound of arms and the tramp of feet and the measured thread of the grenadiers marching down to their boats on the shore. Then he climbed to the tower of the church, up the wooden stairs with stealthy tread, to the belfry chamber overhead, and startled the pigeons from their perch on the somber rafters that around him made, masses and moving shapes of shade by the tumbling, trembling ladder steep and tall to the highest window in the wall where he paused to listen and look down a moment on the roofs of this town and the moonlight flowing over all. Beneath the churchyard lay the dead in the night encampment on the hill, wrapped in silence so deep and still that he could hear like a sentinel's tread the watchful night wind as it went creeping along from tent to tent and seeming to whisper, all is well. A moment only he feels the spell 
of the place and the hour and the secret dread of the lonely belfry and the dead. For suddenly all the thoughts are bent on a shadowy something far away where the river widens to meet the bay, a line of black that bends and floats on the rising tide like a bridge of boats. Meanwhile, impatient to mount and ride, booted and spurred with a heavy stride, on the opposite shore walked Paul Revere. Now he patted his horse's side. He gazed on the landscape far and near, then impetuous stamped the earth and turned the and tightened his saddle girth. But mostly he watched with eager search the belfry tower of the old North Church. As it rose above the graves on the hill, lonely and spectral and somber and still. And lo, as he looked on the belfry's height, a glimmer and then a gleam of light. He springs to the saddle and bridle he turns, but lingers and gazes till full on his sight a second lamp in the belfry burns. A hurry of hoofs in a village street, a shape in the moonlight, a bulk in the dark, and beneath from the pebbles and passing a spark, struck out by a steed that flies fearless and fleet. That was all, and yet, through the gloom and the light, the fate of the nation was riding that night, and the spark struck out by that steed in his flight, kindled the land into flame with his heat. He was left the village and mounted the steep, and beneath him tranquil, broad and deep, in the mystic, meeting the ocean tides, and under the alders and skirt its edge, now soft on the sand, now loud on the ledge, is heard the tramp of his steed as he rides. And the twelve by the village, it was told by the village clock when he crossed the bridge into Medford Town, he heard the crowing of the cock and the barking of the farmer's dog, and felt the damp of the river fog. The rises with the sun goes down. It was one by the village clock when he galloped into Lexington. He saw the gilded weathercock swim in the moonlight as he passed, and the meeting house windows, blank and bare, gaze at him with a special glare, as if they already stood aghast by the bloody work that he would look that they looked upon. It was two by the village clock when he came to the bridge in Concord Town. He heard the bleating of the flock and the twitter of birds among the trees and felt the breath of the morning breeze blowing over the meadows brown and one was safe and asleep in his bed. Who at the bridge would be first to fall? Who that day would be lying dead, pierced by a British musket ball? You know the rest in the books you have read, how the British regulars fired and fled. Now the farmers gave them ball for ball from behind each fence and farmyard wall, chasing the redcoats down the lane, then crossing the fields to emerge again. Under the trees at the turn of the road and only pausing to fire and load. So through the night rode Paul Revere, and so through night went the cry of alarm to every Middlesex village and farm. A cry of defiance and not of fear, a voice in the darkness, a knock of the door, and a word that shall echo forevermore. For born the night wind of the past, through all of our history to the last, in the hour of darkness and peril and need, the people will waken and listen to hear 
the hurrying hoofbeats of that steed, and the midnight message of Paul Revere. God, I love America. Guys, thanks for listening. Spread the word. As always, Godspeed, y'all.